This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. Doing all right today? That's your good friend Bob Cook, and I'm back with you and glad to be up and around and feeling great and trusting God for His touch upon you and upon me as we fellowship together around His Word today. It has to be the miracle of God's grace, helping me say things that are worthy of eternity, helping you hear them with a heart that is open to the will of God. Let's trust God for that mutual miracle today, shall we? Dear friend, I'm glad you're there. You pray for me while I'm speaking to you. Chapter 5 of First of Thessalonians we got down to this matter of watch and be sober. Talked about what it means to watch, prioritize your attention, actively participate in the will of God, and exclude anything that's against the will of God. That's what it means to be watchful. Then he says, be sober. Now, at the risk of being repetitive, I'll remind you that in some places, the word sober is a compound meaning saved mind. In this place, it's a Greek verb, nepho, uh, which means to be calm and collected in spirit, to be temperate, dispassionate, and circumspect. The combination is exciting. What does it mean? To be sober. Let us not sleep, as some do, but let us watch and be sober. Well, it means a mind that has been saved by the grace of God. What, uh, what does it mean to have a saved mind? Number one, it means that you have faced once and for all the fact that you cannot control your thoughts uh, and that your thoughts ultimately control your destiny. So you need somebody to reprogram your mind, your brain is like a great computer with billions of, of electrical contacts and uh, uh, a mega, 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 mega byte storage of ideas and uh, the ability that goes beyond any of our humanly manufactured computers to put those concepts together and to reason about them. And so you need somebody to reprogram your computer that's uh, the first thing. Have you done that? Have you ever faced right up to the fact that you can't begin to think God's thoughts unless he does something about the computer, he programs it? This is what Paul means in Second Corinthians 10 when he says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You take the thoughts that uh, would otherwise wander and the thoughts that would be wayward and prodigal, the thoughts that would be wrong and in, impure. You take the thoughts that would be greedy or, or uh, fierce or proud or unforgiving or hateful, uh, different kinds of thoughts that flit seemingly through your mind. You bring all of that to your Savior and you let him program you. Now, one of the, one of the ways to program your mind is through Scripture. Thy word have I hid says the psalmist, in my heart that I might not sin 
against thee. And so one way to program the computer of your mind is to memorize Scripture and to meditate upon it uh, until your mind has gotten hold of it and then let it go. Years ago, there was a little book written. It's out of print now. I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, called the technique of producing ideas, and uh, it was a little little book, maybe a quarter of an inch thick, it was about all it was, uh, published in those days by Advertising Age. But the concept was something that I latched onto, and I've used again and again and again. The idea was you think about a thing uh, hard enough to make your mind weary. You take all of the facets of any given subject and write them down on, on uh, different cards, little three-by-five cards, and then you rearrange those cards. I would say shuffle, but you've been tenderly reared, some of you. Uh, you rearrange those cards, and that will give you some new ideas right there, and new uh, relationships of ideas. And then you think about all of that as hard as ever you can, and because we're Christians, I add the word pray. Think and pray over these concepts as hard as ever you can until your mind is weary with the effort. And then deliberately let go. What that does is it chucks all of that back into the computer, into the unconscious mind. And the unconscious mind takes over and keeps on working at it. And by and by, you'll have the glimmering of a new idea. It may hit you while you're shaving or while you're driving or whatever, you can't tell when it may be cranked out, but there you'll have a new idea. Now, that's the gist of that little book. Don't ask me for it, because I haven't seen it in years. I think it's out of print. But that was the concept uh, that, that changed my own way of getting at things. How to program your mind. Get the Word of God, memorize it, think about it, meditate on it, chew over it, uh, Think and pray over the truth of it until your mind has really worked at it. And you're, you feel a weariness in your mind from thinking about that very thing. And then deliberately let go of it. And that will chuck it back into the computer. And the faithful Holy Spirit will bring it out just when you need it. Oh, how precious that is. How it has happened again and again in my own life. The Word of God popping into consciousness, so to speak, just when I needed it. And so a saved mind is one that has been reprogrammed by the faithful Holy Spirit and by the Word of God uh, built in to your thought processes. A saved mind is one that approaches issues from the point of view of Calvary's cross. A saved mind is one that approaches issues from the point of view of Calvary's cross. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he said concerning Christ's sacrifice that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who uh, died for them and rose again. All of my thinking and all of my deciding needs to be in the shadow of of Calvary's cross and all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for me and all I owe him as a result. A saved mind approaches issues from the point of view of Calvary. A saved mind gives God the glory. A saved mind gives God the glory. 
Now, this is a, a very sensitive point and one that, uh, that you and I need to be aware of. How easy it is when you've come on to something that is, that is thrilling and uh, you realize that your mind has been working properly on all eight cylinders uh, to say, here's something I thought of. Well, you better watch it. Give God the glory. Because uh, you didn't dream that up yourself. God gave it to you. You give God the glory. Don't touch the glory. Let God be glorified in all that you say and all that you think and all that you decide and all that you do. Watch and be sober. All right, now, uh, what did Paul say is involved in this matter? He said, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. He's using warfare terms there so that this matter of being sober as a believer it means to engage in uh, the warfare of, of uh, righteousness with proper equipment. Put on, says Paul in Ephesians 6:11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, not people, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, where take on the whole armor of God. What is that? Having your loins girt about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness. Now he's got the breastplate of faith and love. Righteousness is the result of the commitment of faith and the, the obedience that comes from real love of Christ. You put those two together and you've got a beautiful concept. You follow me? Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness, this breastplate, this that protects your vital organs of your, of your soul and spirit, all right? That comes, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, through faith and love. Faith is the absolute commitment of yourself to Jesus Christ, and love has to do with that which motivates all that you do. Paul says, the love of Christ constraineth us. Brethren, said he, you've been called unto liberty, yet use not liberty as an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. Love makes me serve. Love makes me do what I do. So absolute commitment to Christ makes me risk the situation on him, and love for Christ makes me do what I do in serving others. And that adds up to righteousness. And Paul says that's a breastplate. That is your bulletproof vest, beloved. That keeps the devil from getting at you. How simple all of this is. Somebody is saying, oh, Cook, you are so simplistic. Well, listen, why make it complex when God made it simple? Faith and love. Faith is risking the situation on God, committing yourself, including your weaknesses, to God. Because Jesus died for you just as you are, not as you wish you were. Commit yourself to the Savior just as you are, beloved. And let him take control in your life. And then as the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given unto us. As the Holy Spirit fills your life with love for God and love for people, then engage in loving service. And this, says Paul, is going to be your bulletproof vest your breastplate. This is going to keep you from getting uh, wounded and becoming a victim in the battle for righteousness. 
Beautiful truth there, isn't it? And then he says, for a helmet, the hope of salvation. The helmet, the hope of salvation. The helmet of salvation. 6.17 of Ephesians. Take the helmet of salvation. So here is a reference again to the armor. The breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and praying always. That's the power to wield the sword. He doesn't fill all of that in in the First Thessalonians passage, but he talks about the helmet, the bulletproof vest and the helmet. There's been quite a bit of talk recently about whether or not there should be legislation to make people who, wear, who ride motorcycles wear a helmet. I think not wearing one is probably a very foolish thing. I've talked with some neurosurgeons who say that some of the saddest cases they've had to deal with have been people who refused to wear a helmet when they were riding either a motorcycle or a, a horse or a bicycle, whatever, and they've been injured in their head. But uh, this is the helmet of salvation. What is involved here? If you want to be completely secure from the attacks of Satan, just be sure you're saved and trusting Jesus. I'll come back to that the next time we get together. Father God, today, may we have the protection you have provided against the attacks of Satan. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.